Ooh, for you, ooh, you, ooh, I leave it all. <laughs> George Ezra and Budapest, and that's the choice of Joan and Kubecha. And I have to say I'm laughing because I suspect that apart from the weekend, that may very well be our producer, our engineer producer, Phineas Opa's favorite song of all time. So, Joan, thank you very much. That's the Big Fat Juicy, and you're welcome to keep those choices coming in. And we're looking at songs that talk to spaces, places, and the like. It's 20 to 9, and at this time on a Sunday morning, we look at word domination, people who are writing books. We look at poetry, and we look at the, the concept of the word in so many different ways. Our author today is Penny Hoare. She's a journalist. Um, she's been a columnist. She's also an author, and she's written a book called The Wilderness Between Us, which is it's a thriller, but in many ways it's a psychological thriller, and it uh, focuses on a group of friends. They are in different families that come together that go on a hiking trip in the Tsitsikama, and in the time of their hiking, two of the characters are separated from the group. So very quickly, what should have been a great, warm, wonderful experience out in nature turns into a harrowing series of incidents. And that's the sort of physical, but then, of course, there is the psychological as well. And I can't talk too much about that because uh, I would not want to give away all the details. Nevertheless, we have got Penny on the line. Penny, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for the opportunity. You know, Penny, one of the things that struck me whilst I was reading this book was this idea of nature as a character in the book. And uh, it, it really is a very powerful sort of character that plays up against the other characters, the families, the friends, etc., that are taking this hike. And I wonder if you could start by just telling us a little bit about how you came to that. Um, yes, yeah, it's exactly that. Um, you know, I'm fascinated by the, the healing power of nature. You know, um, we, most of us anyway, when we're, when we're outdoors, when we're in the trees, when we're on the mountains, um, without, without realizing why, and, and um, many scientists are doing studies and have done studies, but um, without realizing why, we somehow come back to ourselves, we find um, the, uh, the, the the scene, the scenery, the um, the plant life, the animal life somehow um, soothes us and um, makes us feel connected to the world. And um, this has always fascinated me. I've always been interested in why it is that um, being outdoors is 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 such a is such a natural soothing uh, mechanism. Um, I don't know if you have it, but yes. I certainly feel when I'm a, 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 particularly in the trees that I somehow feel like I'm going back to a, um, an unknown part of myself. And, and I've always been fascinated by that. And even people who aren't used to being in the wilderness, like the one character who's quite fearful of it um, originally, is, is, um, is, is surprised by the fact that it's, um, it, it, it answers a whole lot of questions that she's been dealing with that are, are probably unrelated with the trees and the mountains and the fanbos, but somehow it it brings her back to herself, someone that she's forgotten. So yeah, I, I'm 
I'm delighted that you picked that up. Penny, you you know, you, you set it in the Titicama, and I assumed that it was obviously the Titicama National Park. I hope I'm correct in that uh, yes. you talk about um, the Blyder River and much more. And yes. I, I wondered if you could just describe, because you've obviously been there. There's no doubt from the reading of it. And even as I was reading it, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to do that Titsikama <laughs> Otter Trail. And I've never done it. And like, I'm like, and you describe it in depth. And I wonder if you could describe for our listeners what that national park is like, what the, the trail is like as well, before we actually get into the narrative of the other characters. Okay. Well, the interesting thing, the Titsikama Trail is the inline, inland version of the Otter Trail. So it follows the same um, kind of route along the coast, but it's inland. Yeah. And I think what's so remarkable about um, that trail is that um, it takes you through uh, um, a variety of different terrains and uh, vegetation and what have you. I mean, there are these magnificent plateaus of fainbos and um, a mountain fainbos and restios and protea and what have you. And then you go into these ravines where the forest hasn't been touched. I mean, the trees there, the yellow woods are, um, are hundreds and hundreds of years old. And this is very, it's very unusual for South Africa because, you know, we used to, we used to the felt and what have you, but the, these, this mountainous area with these um, massive trees and groves of the most magnificent ferns you will ever see. Yeah. And then, um, you know, because it's, it's very wet there, there obviously there's a lot of the coastal um, weather comes in, aside from the rivers, and, 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 the, and the rivers are magnificent, uh, which is also something quite unusual if, we, if we're used to walking in drier areas. Um, but the, the mountains are, um, provide this magnificent um, backdrop um, so it's dramatic and it's um, it's encompassing and it's very very varied. Um, it's uh, honestly I I, um, I I really encourage anyone who has the opportunity to to do that um, trail to to take it on. It is it is one of the most beautiful walks I've ever done. And and I think I think it, it is the trees and they're they're parts of it because obviously it was he- heavily deforested yeah. and they're parts of it that have been reclaimed. So there's some commercial, like um, remnants of commercial uh, forests that are, are fighting their way back. Uh, sorry, that, that are that are actually being uh, um, overgrown by the um, by the indigenous stuff again. So there's yeah. this, there are these areas where there's a bit of the conflict of of the of the indigenous and the um, and the um, the alien vegetation, which is very beautiful as well. I mean, it's it really is magnificent. You know, it's interesting that you talk about this conflict between the indigenous and the alien. And mm-hmm. a little bit earlier, you mentioned this idea that when we walk in these kinds of spaces, we come back to ourselves. What's mm-hmm. quite clear in, in, in the novel is that, yes, we do come back to ourselves. And sometimes the self that we come back to is not a very nice person at all. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I thought that that was a very powerful metaphor about how we, we, we forget. We always say it's always good to find ourselves, but sometimes the, the self that you find is not the best of people, as we so discover in the book. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I think the other thing that I try to do with the story is that um, aside, from the, aside from the natural the natural surroundings, is that sometimes it takes a physical challenge to, 
force you to look at yourself, mm, your, your, your psychological mm. realities, you know, and, and I wanted to bring that about in the book as well, that, you know, you, when, you, when, you, um, when you're faced with the challenges of basic survival, you, um, you almost discover a whole lot of things about yourself which you otherwise wouldn't have noticed. Yeah. So, yeah, that was something that I also tried to bring about. Penny, perhaps, um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm not sure, but one of the things that I was reading it, I was thinking about the fact that so many of us have friendships which we maintain, and we maintain them from some, some of us from our primary school days, some of us from our university days, some of us from our, where we lived in our community. They might have been our neighbors, and over many, many years, we've maintained those friendships. But what becomes quite clear is that actually those relationships may not necessarily be at best if they are maintained. And it takes a situation of challenge and difficulty, which is what you place them in on this trail, um, in order for them to discover that perhaps not, not all relationships are meant to be maintained and perhaps we don't always understand the people that we've been friends with for years and years and years. Yes, and I think that um, when you have groups of friends like this, you're also sometimes very forgiving of people because of their connections to other people in those mm. groups. You know, you, you kind of think, well, They've been friends, uh, for example, with my partner for the entire life. I'm going to put up with it for the sake of my partner. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I think people also, when you have a group of friends like that, you take on certain roles. And after a while, you're almost accepting of that. You think, well, he's always a bit of a sexist or he's always, a, um, you know, he, he's always going to be the one who's going to take control. And she's always going to be the one who will uh, make sure that we have our um, uh, emergency kit, for example. And it, it starts becoming kind of almost, it's almost organic. Yes. And, you, and you, stop seeing, you stop seeing individuals in a way. It's a very powerful, uh, it's a very powerful narrative that, I mean, I thought a lot about that while I was reading it with regards to so many of my friends. And as you say, their connections to someone else and how you then become friends and actually there may be, in fact, absolutely nothing which is <laughs> that, you, <laughs> that, that, you have, you, yeah. Yeah, that you have in common with them. And then you like end up going on this trail. I suppose one of the things um, that, that struck me about the novel, and I have to tell our listeners, it's, this is a superbly easy read. And I don't mean easy as in, um, easy as in simplistic, but it's just you get in and you get going and then you finish. It's like this is not a read that you're going to go, I'll read a few pages here and I'll read a few pages there. You want to actually figure out what goes on in the end. It is a psychological, but also the, the, the nature, the physical thriller. So you, you really do have to make your way to the end. But what struck me, um, Penny, was your two main characters, uh, really they are the protagonists, both, both women, um, one who is weakened by her physicality and becomes strong, and one who is weakened by her emotional sense of the world and becomes physically strong as well. And I found that to be an extremely, I suppose, a, a, a beautiful trajectory, if one wants to call it that. 
Yeah, and um, Michelle, what I what I wanted to do with um, with Faye and Claire was I've I've also been interested in intergenerational relationships. You know, um, it's it's intriguing how uh, we can learn from people from different generations, and yet um, uh, it seems to me that uh, that often as children we almost it's almost um, inbuilt to us that we resist learning from our parents. So. <laughs> So yeah. you know, the, I, I guess it, I guess is the, the the connection is too close or whatever. So, so um, up to a certain age, definitely, I, I feel like the, we we don't want we resist learning from our parents. You know, our parents mm. will say, "You'll thank me for the, you, this one day," and you go, "Yeah, yeah." But you know, it, you you have to go through it yourself um, to to actually appreciate it. Um, but when it's someone who is in the, from another generation who is somehow a little removed from you, you're more open to learning. You know, maybe you admire them more. And so I wanted to put two women together struggling with with different things who they knew each other because they were family friends, but they were not connected and see how they could learn from one another. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, that, that, that the younger would learn from the older, the older would learn from the younger. And... Um, and and that that really fascinates me, you know. Um, put put people like that in 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 a challenging situation, and um, and see how we can learn from one another, and and how we can see um, see one another um, through each other's eyes. Because when um, when Faye, um, as you know, when when Faye um, starts working with with Claire, when she has to when they're alone in the in the um, in the forest. Um, Claire sees all these things that Faye would never see in herself, yeah, um, and exactly. yeah, so so that was that was that was important to me. Um, and and they were dealing with their own um, their own shame. Um, Claire had the shame about her her eating disorder. Faye had the shame of of what had um, how how she had allowed her life to be um, changed by by her partner. I, mean, I don't want to give away too mm, much, but exactly. um, but they were dealing with the same thing but from very different sources and without actually realizing for a while that they were struggling with the same thing. It's a wonderful intergenerational conversation actually. Penny, yeah. I've, I've asked um, that you could read us a snippet from the book. I wonder if you could do so. Okay, I will do that. So I've um, I've, I've chosen a bit where um, Faye, one of the characters, has just encountered um, a small herd of wild pigs and um, She's pretty terrified of them. In a single movement, she leaned over, snatched the handles of her backpack, and, crashing through the scrub, leaping over logs and branches, scarpered towards the path. Behind her, the pig snorted and squealed in alarm, and, in a flurry of hairy bodies and sweating trotters, smashed the undergrowth as they fled in the opposite direction. Even <laughs> when she realized that the animals were as terrified as she was, Faye continued running until she'd left the forest and was back in the open. Out of breath, her legs trembling, she couldn't recall when she'd last sprinted like that. In fact, she didn't realize she still had it in her. She stopped and rested her hands on her knees to recover, half laughing and half sobbing. After she turned and checked once more that the pigs had definitely bolted, she looked across the felt. With swathes of restios bending under the weight of their seeds, and the flowers of the wild dacha plant rising upwards like narches pinned on skewers as far as the eye could see, the plateau calmed her. 
In the distance, the purple hue of Erica's faded into the faraway foothills. There were no dark shadows to mislead her here, and the vegetation didn't crowd her. Even the clouds, with their dense, darker bottoms, were no longer unsettling. The vastness made Claire aware of her solitude. Her husband and friends were walking in the other direction. It would take almost two hours before she got back to Hunenbos hut. How small she was out here, how alone. Yet as she walked on, breathing in the soft air, glancing at the tiny tubular flowers that lined the path, and listening to the sharp chi-chi-chi of the sunbirds as they flew, quick and erratic, between the proteas, Say was at peace. She felt connected to what she couldn't be sure. Penny, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Makes me want to go hiking immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. That's Penny Hoare. The book is called The Wilderness Between Us. It's published by Cola Books. And just go and look at beautiful, bright cover. And uh, as I say, a wonderful psychological thriller, but also one that really does engage with the beauty of our country. And we thought, uh, seeing as it was Heritage Month, that was absolutely perfect. We're closing off with someone's big, fat, juicy. This is the choice of Stefan in Ilovo saying, please play me this track, Matterfix, Living in Dafur.